I want to do through Easter and even beyond really is talk to you about why we exist. You see, the, the thing is, most people don't understand why we're on this planet. You know, well, if I'm not up there doing what Pastor Dalton or Pastor Stephanie or someone else is doing, I'm not really. No, no, no. We got, we got I don't know how many, over 30, over 30 new members coming in next weekend. So you want to be a part of that? I'll be meeting with them this week. I don't know, 25 or 6 families, 29 families, but 30, close to 40, right at 40 adults coming in. Man, that's like right at 70 or a little under 70 in, what, 60 days. People who commit to tithe, commit to serve and pray and attend regularly, and commit to serve one Sunday a month at Bethel or out in missions or something for Bethel. So God's up to some cool stuff. But I want you to get yours. Say, Pastor wants me to get mine. Because the way I'm rewarded is to get you where you need to be. That's how God rewards me. I, I receive more revelation and blessing every time I give out whatever he's given me to give you. Now, I throw the seed. I don't know who's going to take it, right? And some take it for a while, and then they don't, and so on. But over the past 14 months, we focused on supernatural advancement through clarity, growth, and vitality. And I told you when I gave you that, it wasn't just a word for a year. It would be at least for 10 years, if not longer, probably forever, part of who we are in our DNA. Because it is the method, it is the, the action piece, it is the piece that when you seek God and get clarity and you grow, right? Now, if you seek God and get clarity and are not growing, you'll feel condemnation. And it'll quench your spirit and your faith. But if you get clarity of what God wants you to do and you're in a growth spurt, it ignites you and invigorates you and you're ready. Ah! And it produces, I'll move over here. It produces what? Vitality. Life. Energy. Momentum. And what we're focused on is not just natural life. We're focused on eternal life. So as we look at it and we see that our identity as God's children and our vision of what we are to do, that, that, that's what we've been discussing. We've been talking to you about your identity as a son or daughter of God, haven't we, for the last 14 months, who you are in Christ and who he is in you and that you're the sons and daughters of God and you have the power to release your angels and create a force. And so you, you, you're walking and learning your kingdom identity at another level. But then the other thing we've been sharing with you is how to get a vision for your life, how to get clarity, how to grab hold of it, how to seek God. And when you get it, how to implement it, how to use it, how to activate it. So those two things are critical. We've been focusing probably more like 16 months on those two things. What? Been focused on learning our identity in Christ because if you don't have that, you're just going to feel condemnation when you get clarity, right? And then the second thing is we're, we're learning how to capture vision. What is vision? It's the unseen realm. It's seeing the unseen. Vision, kazon, is the same word in the Hebrew that's used for revelation. It means to reveal or uncover, kazon. And so what, what I want you to understand, that's what we've been in for 14 to 16 months, this boom. Whoever the guest is, everything's been that way. But we're shifting. Say, say we're shifting. Say we're shifting. Now we're shifting to the most important question. Not what, not how, but why. Whoever answers the question why will always have people who answer the question what and how working for them. So if you want to be a leader of a company, the leader in a ministry, the leader in a business, you got to know the why. There's lots of, you hire people that know the, I'm not a CPA, but I hire a CPA. Because I know why I exist to do what I need to do and who I need to bring around that can do certain things that I don't have a skill set to do, but is less significant than my why. See what I'm saying? So your why is so important. And that's what I want to get in your spirit today as we go from Bethel 1.0, our first 20 years. Now we're moving into the next Bethel, Bethel 2.0, and you're moving into your next. I'm believing now that you're moving beyond at minimum of double this year if you'll open your spirit and your mind to participate. I really believe that. But I believe many are going to go 10, 20, 30, 100 times where you're at right now, and many are living it right now. 
in 2.0. Every revelation that's given is ordained to affect a change of position in your life. Get that. Every revelation given by God, that means he reveals or uncovers something hidden to you, is ordained. That means it's been, that word ordained means accurately arranged. God has accurately arranged a change of position. Position in the Greek is topos. It means to be placed in a place of opportunity. It means to be poised or positioned for opportunity. God's position is different. The man's position is almost like entitlement. We have a position and therefore people, service, do, workforce, whatever they do, we have a certain position. You know, mom has a position even if she's an executive in a Fortune 100 company. When she's mom, she has a position as mom. When she's an executive, she has a position as an executive. Same with dad. We have positions that really are a form of entitlement in a sense because we're entitled to certain things. Not the negative entitlement of you got it because you didn't deserve it. But positions, listen to me, this is revelation to you. Position in the natural affords unique entitlement to you, right? So I have people serve that we pay and people we don't pay, and, and, and what happens is I'm entitled. They entitle me. They do things for me or they'll accomplish a task for me. Why? Because my natural position brings entitlement. Didn't say you got it through entitlement. That's the negative version. But that comes through entitlement. But when you receive a position from God, that's empowerment. When you, when you receive a position from God, what happens? It brings a revealed knowledge knowing you never had or never could know. And it poises you in your topos. It poises you for opportunities that no human entitlement could ever give you. Revelation is the revealed Word of God. Everything that's natural came from the Spirit. Well, I don't know, preacher, that's heavy, heavy. Well, you didn't read Genesis 1, did you? Is God a Spirit? And who spoke? And what came out of His mouth? Trees and flowers, plants? No, words. But the words did what? They performed and created Hebrews uh, three, uh, Hebrews eleven three says four or three or whatever says that the found three says the foundations of the world, right, were formed through the words, faith in God's words or whatever it is. Hello, how are you? I'm doing fine. You doing okay? Yeah, you're late. I'm here. Where you at? Get out of bed, dummy. Get out of bed. Okay. Revelation affects a change of your position, not just in life, but in a supernatural life. A life that when you speak words of healing, it's more than comfort, it's deliverance, it's more than removing pain, it's transforming an illness and commanding through your words a creative force, works of faith that begins to heal bodies. A word that when you, see, 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 here's where it went. If I get clarity and revelation on a spoken word that I know God put in my heart and nobody could ever convince me otherwise, if I'm not in a growth season, I'll feel like I don't measure up. I'll feel like I'm not good enough. I'll feel like I don't deserve this. And then maybe I'll act out in ways that, you know, because it's like you unconsciously begin to do the opposite because you don't feel like that ever happened. It's supposed to happen and you waited on it and it didn't. So if you're in a season like that about any, and I'm not saying your whole life, you see, I love what Prophet Trout taught years ago here, and that is Satan has a scheme for everybody in this room. Every one of us he has a scheme for because he knows your family history. And he has a scheme for everyone in this room. Some it can be sex, some it can be money, some it can be power. Whatever it is, he, he's got a scheme to take you down. 
And the dangerous thing is, guys, when God is pouring out and opening up heaven and recent revelation, you will either, if you're not in a growth spurt or a growth season, you will do one of two things. You will condemn yourself and disqualify yourself just because you won't participate, you feel so bad about it. Or out of that, what will happen is, you'll not only condemn yourself about it, I forgot the second one because this is not my notes, this is by the Spirit of God. Now, I got seven pages of notes, but that's not in my notes. But God will drop it in a minute to me. Because revelation affects change. And whenever I receive revelation, what's it do? It downloads to me, and if I'm not positioned right, I'll be in condemnation, right? Okay, I'm not supposed to go there. And, and you'll find yourself in a season of non-effectiveness or powerlessness. It could be in your marriage. It could be in relationships. It could be in your money. It could be in your career. It could be in ministry, whatever it is. But when we understand the importance of topos, position, whenever God's pouring out revelation, pouring out his wisdom, his discernment to us, and we begin to obey, that's when we begin to discover you know, what we're supposed to do and how we're doing it. But you got to understand, it all comes from why do you exist? Why do we exist as people on this earth? Why do we exist as sons and daughters of God? Why do we exist as a spiritual family? I had a long discussion with a beautiful gentleman that was pastor for many years in the city, and he's a, he's a uh, Asbury, a Christian, great, you know, a real impactful person there. And we had a great discussion because, you know, he's, he's not of color, but he wants to reach out, and he's been reaching out and not been really treated that well, trying to reach out and connect and bring unity. And I had to, like, give him some revelation. And he was so sweet to receive it. And I've had people from different communities, the, the black community, the brown community, the white community. How do you all get people to come in on Sunday morning that look different and from different backgrounds and it's from revelation. It's from a real word of God standing in my living room in Columbus, Ohio, when we were praying about this church, and God said it will be a church of the Gentiles. It will look like a football game or a basketball game, people from different ages and races and backgrounds and educations. It didn't come from a cool sign we put out front, did it, Sherry? I mean, you all have had to grow with me. God bless you. You're like, oh, poor little pastor. That's right. She said, that's my pastor. But she's been with us now, gosh, 18 years or something like that, 17 years, and she's seen us go through a lot. But there's a scheme to destroy this house. If you were the devil, if you were the devil, I don't know why I'm on this. I don't really care, but I'm on it. Pierce had a friend visit from UK with him last week. They're sitting in the back after it's over because I was preaching on part two of politics. He looked at him and said, Blank, your dad don't really care what he says, does he? <laughs> Pierce said, Well, not when it concerns the things of God, he doesn't. And here's what I want you to get if you were the devil, what church would you want to destroy? Would you want to destroy a church that looks like heaven? Or looks like one shade or no shade of heaven? <laughs> would you like to destroy a church that everybody votes the same? Or lies and says they do and won't admit it if they don't? Because it wouldn't be socially acceptable in their church if they didn't. Right? Or would you rather be in a church where people vote all different ways and some people should vote but don't vote, but people are Republican and Libertarian and Democrat and all that? I mean, I would pray for you. My prayer is for you that you never belong to a church that everybody looks the same. That you would never. And I'm not putting any churches down like that that look the same. I'm just praying for you. If God's brought you here, there's a unique calling on your life to do what? To not always agree but to love unconditionally and to pray for unity. Woo, man. (laughs) 
whether it's racism or reverse racism or liberal or conservative, it doesn't matter. If it's anything that comes before the love of Christ and unity, it's wrong. Just is. So God has some crazy things for this church. He brings Stephanie and I out of Columbus, Ohio, from a church of 12,000. We also had a business on the side as well, doing real estate and stuff. Brought us here with our son just turning one year of age. We knew one family we moved here. I'm from two and a half hours down in the mountains. She's from three and a half hours up north in Columbus. Taking her mom's only little grandbaby from her to here. Uh, that's a funny story, but it's true. So I I'm, I'm just told you I was drunk, so just get over it, right? And I'm not, you're never nervous. You know, drunks are never nervous, are they? They're not really smart all the time, but they're not nervous. But why would God pull us out? And Pastor Rod loves me, but he looked at me and said, Son, what is in Lexington, Kentucky? You have nearly 100 staff. You have two wings of a a million-dollar facility that's yours. You have 11 departments, 2,500 volunteers. You get to fly in a jet. You get to go do stuff. What is in Kentucky? I said, I don't know. I just know God said go. He said, I got to pray on this. And he prayed through, and he released us to come. But why would God pull us up and you just like, okay, we did it. We went through a snowstorm. We got here. We took $60,000 out of our savings to renovate, to renovate a bingo hall over on Alexandria Drive. We signed a $3,100 or $3,200 a month lease by faith with no income, with a house payment in Columbus that we rented to a preacher that wasn't paying a payment, and we had to cover that, and we had to rent a house. I mean, when you make a decision like that, to leave nine years of something you've built that God's used you for, to come to a place where one family knows you and only one of them ever heard you preach, so they may never be back after the first Sunday. <laughs> and you're the one spending the money and doing the renovation because you can't afford the total renovation. You have to do help with it. You just think, man, everything's rosies after that, right? Everything's just smooth sailing. But as my intercessors can tell you, that ain't so, right? <laughs> and then you would think, nine months, we broke 200. No, five months, I think it was we broke 200. Nine months, we bought our first $1.2 million building. About four years later, we're in this building. You just think, man, things are great. Just, I guess that's it, right? Now it's just, you, you've arrived. You guys are the church on the hill, big new church. Good crowd, Sunday morning was pretty full. Just like, well, that's it, right? But let me help you. This is never it. This, say this with me, this is never it. What's it? It is that. Because when we were believing to come to Lexington and got that little warehouse and everybody said, you're crazy, you're stupid, what are you going to do in three months when you've lost everything and this and that and you don't even know people, how are you going to get people to church? How are you going? This was that. And then when the church filled up and we didn't have enough volunteers to do two services, we had 170 on Sunday night, Thursday night and 210 or 20 on a Sunday morning, what are we going to do? We've got to find a building. How you get credit? You're nine months old. You don't have a bunch of rich elders in your church that can sign their name. You just, you know, a young couple with a one-year-old son from Columbus signing our name, which wasn't worth $1.2 million. But God. And in nine months, that became this. Then we ran out of parking. We're having Wednesday night, Saturday night, two Sunday mornings, Busting people from the little shopping mall because we keep parking for the people. And God said, we got to have a building. And we couldn't build in Lexington because you can't build any building over 10,000 square foot, a new church. So we couldn't do that. Yeah, y'all should know a little more about your government. <laughs> Us in Seattle, Lexington and Seattle are two of the top ones that do not allow a church. No, they'll let some older churches been there because they can't stop and build an addition. 
but you can't build a new church. Now, you can do an old rent shopping mall if you want to or something. So we moved out here. And we thought, wow, 19 acres with an option on 56, and we're out here, and it's a big step of faith, and we're out here, and we thought, man, God said from this spot you'll touch the world, and it's all cool, and we got all this cool stuff, and it's a big old place, and everybody's having fun and celebrating, running around like it's honeymoon, it's awesome. And you thought, well, surely this is it, right? This is it. I mean, you know, it wasn't. And what I've learned in God, every time I think this is it, he reminds me of that. Because if I settle for this, I'll never grow to be the kind of man I need to be to have that. It's not about possessing something you don't have. It's about becoming who you need to be to fulfill who he called you to be. It's about why you exist. Why do you exist? Why were you born? Why are you breathing and alive today? And for goodness sakes, why are you in this crazy church with this hillbilly pastor? <laughs> I don't say redneck pastor anymore. I didn't know it was a thing a few years ago. I had a couple families leave because rednecks don't have a good connotation. With, you know. Yeah, so I just like, okay, I guess I'll just go back to hillbilly. That's what I am. I don't really care. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> David had a few love him, right? But he was a man after God's own heart. Yes. And I miss it a lot. And I say stuff I shouldn't say. And I do some things. You probably go, my pastor did that? But one thing about me, and I mean, I'm not cheating on my wife doing that stuff or snorting coke or none of that crazy stuff. I'm just, I'm just saying little things you'd think a preacher is not your tip. But don't get in a wrestling match with me over the heart of God. Because I have learned this much. He's always right and I'm not. You can be right for a while, but when he changes something, that while is no longer right. It could be right where you've been spiritually up till today. But your pastor's telling you where you're at right here, this ain't it. It's time for you to take the remainder of this year and get to that. So that will become this. And be of good cheer. As soon as you get there, that's no longer it anymore. It was it. And I would say until you get to heaven, it'll be that way. But when you get to heaven, it accelerates because God has a kingdom of government. And it's not just over the world. It's over all the whatever you call it. Planets, whatever. Solar systems, multiples, whatever. He's the main dude. Who knows where he'll have you serving and what he'll have you doing. But you won't be sitting around. You're not going to get the cherub's job. You're not going to get the little worship angel's job. They got that job. You're going to worship him by serving him at a higher level than you've ever served and love at a higher level than you've ever loved and do more than you've ever done. That, that, that's how it works with God. Look at your neighbor and say, this ain't it. Stop. So I guess my voice to you today is this. Never be satisfied. Be at peace. But don't be satisfied. A lot of revelation. Be at peace, but don't be satisfied. Michael, he'll be hanging around me. You know, they've been here 20 years. And he'll say, man, I always measure you, Pastor, because you're like an ultra positive. I mean, I know I don't sound positive to you, but I am, believe it or not. You're ultra, if you've got a project or plan, it's going it's to do this. It's not going to do this. So I got Stephanie and people like Michael and Paul in my life to help with that, I guess. But I am an optimist. But the difference between my optimism, I'm an eternal optimist. That means I got eternity, eternity on my side. So why are you on this planet? 
Why did your parents ever come together, even if you never met them, to conceive you? What were you worth bringing into the realm of the living for? Why wouldn't you be one of the ever how many hundred million babies that's been aborted? Why wouldn't you be one that, that, you know, starved to death in a famine in Africa? Why wouldn't you be the one that was killed in an earthquake in Haiti? Why, why are you here? Why do you exist? What is it that's about you that's so unique? God gave you another chance to be here today. To get up and your feet hit the floor and you're breathing and you got your sane mind and you can walk and you can drive and have get to church. Why are you here? Why do you exist? Well, I got an answer for you. Won't be able to give it all to you today. But remember, every revelation is what ordained to affect to change a position in your life. Please turn the heat off. Somebody, thank you. And the scripture we have for this year explains it. Ephesians 3, verses 20 through 21. Let's go there. Ephesians 3, verses 20 through 21. It says, now to him who is able. What? To do, not just a little bit more, exceedingly abundantly, that's a lot, right? Above all, let's see again now. I'm not a cheerleader, but exceedingly, that's a bad vision for you. Exceedingly, (laughs) abundantly, above all. How much is all? I mean, it couldn't be all, right? Because it's kind of like time. How much is eternity? Oh, Alpha Omega, I guess. So, so Paul just blows our mind by saying, now to him who is able to do what exceedingly abundantly, that's pretty cool, above we're all that, but then all. Look now, that we ask or think. So if I'm not seeing exceedingly, you know, a harvest of something that's exceedingly abundant would be supernatural, then, then, then what am I experiencing? That, that doesn't mean I'm wrong or I'm bad. It just means I'm not asking and thinking big enough. I, I was kind of questioning, like, the Holy Spirit, why didn't you put that, Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we think or ask. Isn't that interesting? Above all we what? We think or ask. Because don't we think before we ask the question? Don't we think before we make a request? If we're smart, we do. A lot of people don't. God bless them. I don't hang out with them much. I love them, but I don't hang out with them. But it said, above what we ask or think. Because if we don't seek him, we won't have the revelation to think high enough. You got to ask to get in his realm of mindset and his thinking, his existence. You got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all this exceedingly, abundantly, above all stuff, things will be yours. So if I'm not thinking high enough, I'm not seeking hard enough. I'm not pursuing. Above all we ask or think, what? Now look at this. Here's God. God just messes me up. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, okay, Lord, okay, you just show it off. Now who can do all that? To him who is able to do all this exceedingly great, abundantly above all that we could ask or think. That's cool, right? So this is on Jesus, right? Because I just got to be a good Christian and not sin and just serve him. And Wow. But then he just flips it. According to the power, that word power in the Greek is dunamis. And it's two energy words. 
dunamis, power like a dynamo, which means it's dynamic, which is like we turn water and steam and it produces what? Electricity. It's a dynamic. It's like a, a, a little eighth inch hydraulic hose that runs 10 feet out from the lever to the front of a D8 bulldozer that weighs about two ton the blade. And with your finger, you just go, move that blade up and down. But if that little hose bursts, nothing moves. And you got to get jacks and cranes to lift the thing up so you can work on it. But you, if you've got the right connection, you can use your finger and raise that big blade up and sit it down. That's a dynamic. That's where an energy force is. Tra- that's a transference of energy. Now, I can have that big, huge D8, you know, a third the size of this room. I can have it, and it can be ready to go. But if I don't put my finger to the lever and do this, it don't matter how dynamic it is. There's no transference of power. So God is like this. He's got the power, the revelation, all to move heaven and earth. To raise the dead, heal the sick, heal the blind, cast out demons, win cities and nations in one day to God. All of that is wired up for you. But if you don't put your little pinky to the problem, there's no dynamic. No dynamo. So, so what's that saying? Above all, we ask or think according to the dunamis power. Now, the other second half of that word, dunamis, means to break loose, to annihilate, like dynamite. So if you take a large amount of dynamite and throw it on a, a rock or something to drill it and put it down in it, it will annihilate the rock if it's the right amount of dynamite. So... Deutimus, whenever you're talking about God's power, it does both. It explodes, annihilates, and breaks away, but it empowers and transfers power to be the source to take it to, to make it do what it needs to do. Yes. Man, I'm trying to get through the opening. I'm still on the first half of the first page first third of the page. I just got seven more pages. You'll be okay. Now, now look how God does this. Look, this is why he's God and we ain't. I say ain't to get your attention. I quit that about 15 years ago. I finally broke it. 58, it's about time. But all that we ask or think, according to the dunamis power, now think about that. If something's in the way, it's God's power to annihilate it. If it's something that needs to be created or something that needs to have energy to move or do, then it's a, it needs a dynamic or a dynamo. God's power annihilates but also transfers power to move. That's why the Bible says he moves as the wind lists. As the wind moves, he moves. See, God has never said he's still. Because in him there is no still. That's why you got all this stuff going on in your life. Troubles, trials, good stuff to celebrate and spend time to do. But he says, peace, be still. Just because you have peace and you're still in your heart doesn't mean you're not moving. If you're not moving, you're dead. Literally. God is always moving, but he's still. He's loud, but he's quiet. He's strong, but he's weak. In a sense, he humbles himself to work through us. The power that does what? Works. That word works comes from energio. Works where? Not in God. He is power. Where's it working at? In you. So if he wants to do anything, if God, listen, if God wants to make any difference in the world, he can't do it without you. Well, that's not scriptural. Well, what did Jesus say? If you don't give a drink of water in my name, 
If you don't give bread in my name, I can't feed the hungry. If you don't give water in my name, I can't quench the thirst of the thirsty. I can't take James 1 and 2. I can't take care of uh, uh, the welfare of who? The, 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 the fatherless and the motherless and the widows. I can't take care of them unless you. Oh, you mean we just got to do more, God? My God, I'm saved. I'm not out doing stupid stuff. I mean, what else? I'm not out here causing problems, and I'm paying my taxes, and I'm giving my tithes, and I'm a pretty good guy. I'm this Lord. What? what an insult to God. Good is the enemy of great. Who wants to be good? Good is weakness. Greater. It's not gooder is he who is in me than he who is in the world. It's greater. It exudes. It's exalted. It's on the throne of authority. See, we, we have people leave our church when they start teaching that we are raised in Christ together. Ephesians says it. We're, we're, we're at the right hand. Jesus at the right hand. Father, we are raised with Christ in him, the hope of glory. And his gifts have been taken captive and given to us. He did it, not us. And people are like, I don't know. That's weird. You know, you're saying you're a little God. Well, this, don't read Psalm 68 then. The problem is people only know what they know. And they can't move as God moves. They can't open themselves up for something greater. For the power that works in us, look here now, the whole reason of that, what's crazy, Paul, it comes back to us and we got to do it through the power in us that was given us, but we got to change our stinking thinking, right? And, and we got to change our thinking and we got to change our speaking, right? And, and how do we do that? We do that by seeking him because he is able to do all things. And then it all comes back to we got to do it. And then what does it say? To bring him glory. Glory. Doxa. God made visible. God made seen. In other words, it's up to you and I to make a difference to the point that we light God up. That you be like a city. Set it on the hill. You know, when you see a city and you're, it's dark and you're, like when you're coming from Kentucky, going over to Cincinnati at night and you see that city, it's beautiful, right? A lot prettier in the night than it is in the day. <laughs> amen. They said amen and amen. And so good city, but it's a city. So, so here it is. It's beautiful. How do you know it's a city? Where it's setting? No. It can be sitting there, but if it's in the dark, you drive through it and hardly even notice it. Right. But you notice it because it's lit up. God is in you. God is all around you. God is living through you and by you and for you. But if you're dark, what is light? Light is reflection. I can't light God up if I'm not lit. I can't light God up if I'm not lit. My light comes from him. The reflection, the imagio, the imagio, the image. We are born in his image. His reflection. His imagio. See, people explain God away. I mean, I... I'd have to do funerals. I still do every now and then, not that often, but with different pastors at churches because somebody's connected to a family. And some of the stuff I hear, it's like remind me back home some of the stuff I heard. Start from Genesis and go all the way to Revelation and never mention one thing about God lighting a city or lighting this person up. It's all about us, or, or, you know, worthless worms. It's time to pick the lily or whatever. Then I get up. Oh, Jesus. Because I will get up. Praise God, I will go. Now, look at this. To him be the glory. Where? He didn't say in the city council. He, he didn't say in the capital. 
He said, in the church. But when you're lit in the church, you can light the city council up. When you're lit in the church, you can light the capital up. But you can't light it up with your opinion because everybody's got one. And more than one, actually. You need to get lit and let God give you a revelation and the government will come to you. To him be lit up, glory, where in the church. Who's the church? You're the church. His glory is not out here. His glory is in you. But as you're lit, people see God lit. In the church, by Christ, Christos, not anointed one, the anointed one. We're all little Christ, the Bible says. We're all little anointed ones. But there's only one big brother, the Lord and Savior. There's only one, the Christ. To what? All generations forever and ever. Think about that. God wants you and I to get lit so we can light him up for all generations. I used to think generations in chronological time, there's two kinds of time. There's chronos time, which is seconds turned into minutes, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months. Then there's charis time or charos time, which is seasonal time. God moves in seasons. And he just does that to mess with us because there is no time in God. He's in your yesterday, your today, and your tomorrow all at the same time because he's not in time. He was, is, and always will be the same and never change. Never sitting, always moving, but sitting and reigning. I mean, this is crazy. Who is able here? Who is able? Who is able to do it through you? Jesus. Who's he doing it through? Here's why you exist. He's doing it through, not Christians. There's a lot of Christians that they ain't had a, they ain't even been around the, out of the shadow, let alone near a light. Doesn't mean they're not good people. Just means they're not bringing any glory. Bring glory to themselves because, you know, they're so good. You know, if everybody else is just being as good, if everybody else just had a clean mind like them, and if everybody else just never said the things that they said, and if everybody else just, you know, never missed church, and never missed a prayer meeting, and never missed the offering bucket, if you were good like them, man, you'd just be good or wouldn't you? You'd just be amazing. But isn't it funny that's not what God's interested in? Why would he take Saul, who murdered and persecuted his Christian sons and daughters and their families and imprisoned wives and made their children orphans and make him the apostle to the Gentiles. And then he'd take a stinky, illiterate, wild, hot-headed fisherman and make him the apostle to the Jews and the educated. Because he said he would take the foolish things to confound the wise. So if you think you're really good, think again. Because your wife knows you. But anyway, so (laughs) your kids definitely know you. It's not about being good. That's the fruit of being lit. Let me wind this down. So why do we exist? We exist to simply be Difference makers. That's it. We're called to be difference makers. That's how a difference is made in a cabinet. That's how a difference is made in a, you know, a city council or state capital or, you know, in D.C., whatever. That's how it's made in our educational system. That's how it's made in our courthouses and our courts and our places of law. That's how it's made in churches. It all is in the church. You and I are the church. And when we get lit for God, wherever we are, we light God's standard up. Therefore, we position ourselves for unique wisdom and revelation we can never get through books or on our own. He can just drop it to you. I could tell you stories how God's dropped revelation in, in me. You know, even to get this building built and to keep the building, things that's happening for you all. It's not mine. I don't get it. You know, it's the church's. And other things in my life and stuff, and Steph goes, man, it's just crazy. We start looking at some of the things. 
that God's done, and it all came from he woke you up or he said to you or he nudged you. And I guess the difference is I'm crazy. I'm just crazy enough that if he just nudges me a little bit, look, I might just be stupid enough to do it. He's not looking for the brave. He's looking for the dumb. That I'm so dumb I have to depend on him. That I have such a lack of knowledge I'm ignorant except for him. Well, God never called me to be ignorant. Well, you're proud. Because if you think your doctorate degree with all the applicants, don't make you intelligent. This makes you ahead of the next guy in book knowledge. The question is, what's be awesome if you can be a doctor and light God up? That's what the key is. So it doesn't matter if you're a janitor or a doctor or the president or the plumber. Do you light God up? Because I don't really remember. I remember this one plumber who's called the apostle of faith that raised how many? 27 or 19, something literally went into the funeral home some of, and stood them up and raised them from the dead. An ignorant plumber got saved in his 50s. Became the apostle of faith out of England. Smith Wigglesworth. A lot of people know that plumber's name. They don't remember who was the third president or who was the, you know, the monarch of this country or that country. You know, when they were crucifying Jesus, people remember Jesus. And when Jesus was talking about the movement, he was going to start with his disciples. But who was it again that was the big cheese in charge? We know the one because we see the movies where he washes his hand and it turns into blood. And what, are they, what were they called? The people in Rome that were over the head people of a territory, huh? Yeah, Pontius Pilate was one of them. That's what we remember him because of all the movies we've seen. Caesars, the different Caesars, you know, it's not just a Caesar, it's all the Caesars. But who remembers who the Caesar was at the time? Who really cares? But we don't forget Jesus and his disciples that said, we're going to start a movement that will transcend governments. It will transcend race. It will transcend cultures and kingdoms. All of them. There's been a lot of kingdoms come and go, but Jesus is still here. There have been a lot of beliefs and religions come and go, and a lot of them are running rampant and crazy around the world. But Jesus and his religion, his, his truth and his spirit will be here forever because it was already here before ever it was created. So you were created to make a difference. So that's why I don't put a bunch of pressure on you. I didn't say you've got to be a preacher of the gospel and go to cemetery, I mean seminary and, and go. Nothing wrong with that. It's good. I mean, I had that stuff too. I, I lived through it. You can make it if you have to. But anyway, I sound like my son Parker who's ready to graduate from college. You're making me do this. I'm like, shut up, boy. Do it. <laughs> you'll, you'll be thankful someday. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah sure. I'll get to laugh at him when he has his son do it. But anyway, that's why I don't call people to do it. God calls them. But here's the thing. I don't know what your requirements will be. It may never be in a pulpit. You can preach the gospel and never be in a pulpit. People get all confused thinking that, that that's the world's mindset. What time is it? i got to wrap this up. So why do we exist? We exist to make a difference. And if we will do that, wherever we are, we will be a light in the places that are dark. And we will be a light that reflects the light of God, the light of Christ. And we will become his city on a hill. Not literally here, a city on a hill, wherever you are, they see the city of God in you. Now what could Satan do with a church like that? You know, we said all these lofty spiritual goals. Yea, I say I will have this, and I will do this, and my faith will be this, and I'll da, da, da. It's good to have decorations. But sometimes your declarations are decorations because you don't have revelation. Did you get that? Deco- I've never heard that before. You better not steal that. That copyright that for me. I'm just kidding. Use it. Use it and abuse it. If you have declarations, right, without revelation, it becomes decoration. It's cute. You can quote a lot of scripture and feel good about yourself because you do it every day. 
But without revelation, what's it going to do for you? You'll just be tired at 9 o'clock, that's all. Be better not doing it, I guess. So what we're saying is you don't have to be able, you just need to trust in the one who is. That's all you got to do, trust in the one who is. And obey him through his word and his revelation. I'll end with this because I'm, I'm going to get into next Sunday, I'm going to start on our 4B's mission. Belong, believe, become, build, because that is why we exist as a spiritual house. And I'll get into that with you. But many of us have already, you know, many of you are already kind of starting to live into that quantum leap. You're getting a taste of it. But, but here's what I want to leave you with this scripture. Jeremiah 29, 11. says, I know the plans, God said to Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, announces the Lord. I want you to enjoy success. So there's a difference between having success and not enjoying it. So if you arrive at a place and you got the salary you wanted, the house you wanted, you drive the cars, you married the person you wanted, but you don't have joy, that's failure. Success is not based on merit or assets. Success is based on the peace and joy of your heart, the contentment of your heart. Assets, positions, and titles does not control your peace. You do. I know the plans I have for you, announces the Lord. I want you to enjoy success. I do not plan to harm you. God's not out to hurt you. Well, you know, sometimes he just has to hit me. No, you just said something stupid and got everybody mad at you. Go apologize. (laughs) Be nice to her. Buy her roses or something, man, or get her something she wants and just humble yourself and say, but I wasn't wrong. Well, you're wrong already. Anyway. A little marriage counseling. That's why people don't come to me for marriage counseling. <laughs> I just say, stop it. Stop what? But, you know, he talks about me. I look at him. Stop it. She don't notice me. Stop it. That's why they go to Pastor Mark and Pastor Steph. He says, I want you to enjoy success. He doesn't want you just to be successful in the eyes of the world. He wants you to enjoy it. I do not plan to harm you. I will give you hope for the years to come. 